All right, the next question comes from Terabyte RD, and he's asking, what are your thoughts on how well received the XM1 shape has been? Are you happy with it, or do you think that you could have done better at some points of the design? Mm, I, well, of course, I'm happy for everyone who likes the XM1, and I think it has been um, pretty well received, considering it's a... Uh, um, was a new shape to the market and um, that's always hard to come up with one of these um could have done better is very um it's hard to answer um in terms of shape because if you don't have the other shape you would have, you wouldn't know if uh, you know it would do better or not um probably you could change or make the buttons less wide and put like a ridge around the sides or something like that but then you, this is what some people ask for, for example. But then other people say, no, we don't want that. Um, it, it, it's really hard. So yeah, to answer the question, I'm happy with how it has been received or is still received in the market at the moment. And yeah, about the doing better part, it's, it's very, very hard to, uh, to answer if you don't have a comparison. Yeah, all right, all right. All right, on to the next one. So this is from Zero Five Snooze. Uh, so, yeah, first of he mentioned that Johnny R that brings out some good memories. Uh, then the question is, are we going too light, or do you think the trend will continue? Um, well, it, it depends what weight you're aiming for. I think uh, super light mice, in the sense, I mean, super light. I would say is anything that's below 60 grams um, then it gets really uh like, like like really light and you probably can only reach that by not adding a lot of features to the mice or you know probably have less structural integrity in some regard or i don't know whatever else um I, i'm not sure that the lower weight really translates to um you playing better with it um, to some degree, I think that the the if I hold a super light mouse in my hand, it that I'm not sure I aim better with it because you kind of lose like this mouse hand connection. At least my brain does. Like it, it kind of feels weird. So I like to have some weight. At least I would say probably 60 grams is a good sweet spot. Um, simply for USPs, we will probably see people having lighter mice or lighter for a certain size but i'm not sure if the um if there's a huge gain for the customer when the mice get lighter and lighter i mean it's really not to save material or anything um it's for you you if you look at logitech as an example i think the gpo while it's super light um was it 60 grams i think or less yeah, 58 uh, or something. Or 68. Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. I, I think the construction there is quite good. And probably they could go a few grams lower, but then they will probably sacrifice build quality, right? And this mouse, it, it, it doesn't really have a lot of features inside anymore. I mean, they, ha don't, they have one LED. They have one slider switch on the bottom. They kicked off the DPI button and everything. And everything else you take out, you kind of probably will run into some structural integrity issues um, 
not sure how it is with magnesium with the new final mouse. I haven't seen it, but um, yeah, I think that working with metal has some other fitting issues or uh, tolerances you have to look out for. So I'm interested to see how that works out. But yeah, I personally, I would say a sweet spot is probably 60 grams. All right, so um, we have a question from, I don't know, <laughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, from, uh, we have a question from Eatvar. I think that's, that's the name. Yeah. Um, about the current trend of modular mites like Aces, Rock Harris, which isn't too modular, but I mean, at least it has the, the yeah. swappable switches and start yeah. buttons or the Extrafy M42. Um, yeah. what, what's your take in general? Well, I mean, the concept is not new. Um, when I worked at Logitech way back in the day, we did the G9 where we already had these exchangeable external shells. So um, this is some has been around for a while. Um, I, I think it's an okay concept. Um, when we when I did XM1 in the beginning, um, we weren't really aiming for that. Reason being simply that, uh, as I said, we were on the safe side. We wanted a good build quality, and you the more parts you have to fit together or make fit prop I mean, I would argue that maybe these exchangeable shapes uh, probably, it, like each is a bit of a trade-off um, in a way, like maybe the curvature with one is not as good as with the other one or something, but of course it opens some uh, options to try, uh, try something out. Not sure how much of a benefit it is though. Um, I mean, you probably buy it, you like one of the shapes better and you keep it. So I I don't know how well received these these shapes kind of are or if there's a clear favorite for the shapes on M42. Yeah, but like if you talk about optimal build quality, I think you probably would forego like these exchangeable parts if you can. Not not saying that we would never look at it. But um, yeah, for build quality, it's for sure something that makes uh, it harder to maintain a very high level because you simply have more parts that you need to match. And um, because I said, with the uh, talk about exchangeable switches, um, interesting for sure. Uh, but then you need also like some way to take out the buttons and everything. I know there's some patterns around this already. So probably you will not see it from too many companies in the near future. Um, yeah, but the way it's done at the moment, I personally would not integrate it. Let me say it like that. <laughs> do you think it's inter uh, Do you think it's important to have like a like a modular mouse in terms of you can switch the you know swap all the switches? So do you think the switch can make a big difference in a mouse? Um, well, aside that it can go bad and start double-clicking to some degree, um, of course, uh, the switch can make a big difference. Uh, even, I mean, we use bin switches, so or, and, and we sort them before production, so the left and right-click feel very similar. But if you use non-bin switches, 
you can end up with a difference of more than 10 grams force uh, between the left and right click button so that would you would be able to exchange that so in this regard that is actually a good thing um the drawback is a bit that like most of these constructions they require the front to be rather high so this is not something that's definitely compatible with the uh, the way the xm1 is built um but sure i mean why why not i know there's more coming out more companies coming out with exchangeable switches so let's see about that all right all right i mean yeah i've had sort of the experience that uh i mean i've had mice that people people really rate highly these you know kl omron 8.0 sorry klgm 8.0s and ttc goals and stuff but I mean, I've used mice that are have Omron 20ms, Omron 50ms that feel very good. Then I've had mice that have KLGM 8.0s and feel bad. So I think in the enthusiast circles, it seems that the switches are a little bit overrated sometimes. I mean, somebody releases a mouse that has the KLGM 8.0s and before anyone has tried it, people are like praising it for its yeah. insane liquid clicks. Well, I think there's a difference between having GM8 and having the GM8 that we are using. Basically, yeah. uh, I think that was one of the questions we didn't answer earlier. Like, is it expensive to swap out Omrens for better switches, whatever you call better? And, and in fact, it's not expensive. What is expensive is if you basically discard a big amount of the switches you could potentially use because you don't want um, a certain range. As an example, um, if you look at GM8 uh, that we use in XM1R, we have a sorting of 55 to 60 grams force on these switches. So it's very much on the light side of the spec. So the spec is, um, uh, was it 60 or, I think it's 65 plus minus 10. So it's kind of like the lower end of the, the spec the problem is um gm8 in my opinion is a good switch in terms of click feeling but that's only true when it's definitely below 65 grams force if you get any gm8 switches in a sorting that's above 65 grams force i don't think it's a it's a great choice to be honest because then um i don't like personally don't like the click profile and if you basically then don't want some of the sorting switches, so I mean, not the real numbers here, but let's say they make a hundred thousand switches and the range you want only 25,000 fall in that range, they will probably not sell you exactly this range for the same price as if you would buy all the switches, um, regardless of sorting. And the price differences are quite substantial. Like if you take five gram force ranges, um, they would basically fall into four different ranges that you could potentially buy or look at. Um, and I would say 60 grams plus minus five uh, for our construction, because also it depends a bit on the shell and how it's made and how you click uh, is pretty much the sweet spot. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's your take on optical switches? Um, well, for reliability, they're good. Um, the problem is, I think the optical switches we have at the moment, the consistency is not that great. I mean, in terms of the click feeling, if you uh, if you look at, 
I mean, it's mainly Razer using the the optical switches these days. I think they already also made a change from the first iteration, as far as I know. And I, I think that optical switches you don't really have, uh, or, or there's not yet a lot known like how they behave over a longer lifetime. But it, it's generally it's very similar switch construction inside. It just pushes down a small plastic piece uh, through a a barrier, a light barrier, um, and this basically gives a click signal. Um, yeah, I think they don't, are not necessarily bad, but I would say if you look for the perfect click feeling, the optical switches are not yet there. It doesn't feel as, I'm not sure if I can say it like this, it doesn't feel as direct in a sense. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't say they are bad. It's just a choice you can make. Uh, Probably you can also make a very good optical switch with a very nice click feeling, but at the moment I wouldn't say they are really uh, they are really there. All right, all right. Uh, next question is from Maz. Uh, so he asks, what are some of the biggest challenges that have surfaced while working on a wireless mouse? Um, well, first of all, um, I think the biggest challenge is actually you need to kind of decide, you know, do you just want to make XM1 wireless or do you want to, um, you know, make a completely new shape, new tooling? There's a lot of decisions you have to take early in the design process um, that impact, you know, how the product or, or what the product will be later. You need to pretty early decide which MCU solution you want to use. For example, you want to use Nordic uh, as a wireless chipset. Um, you need to decide which sensor you want to use. You need to decide um, you know, how big the battery should be. And then you need to kind of build a tool more or less around that. And at the moment, because of the IC shortages, the biggest challenge is, or one of the bigger challenges is getting all the wireless ICs in time. Um, so yeah, this is one of the, actually, I think one of the, the biggest challenges at the moment really is that there's IC, IC shortages. So you are a bit more limited in the choices that you can make uh, in terms of, yeah, your wireless mouse, I would say. But we basically always try to go the extra mile and look into some cool solutions and of what you can do. Let me say like that. This is also our biggest challenge. Yeah, I mean, I've been wondering um, just how you prioritize uh, stuff uh, between um, battery life, uh, battery size, and um, performance, in-game performance. Because you could, at least in theory, say, all right, we'll, we'll just dis disable a couple of power-saving options to get a little bit better performance maybe yeah and uh we'll we'll just use i don't know 20 percent larger battery so we get the same battery life for example um in theory of course it's possible it but depends of course which sensor you use um because in corded mode or in the normal non-wired non-power save modes the power consumption can be substantially higher than in the wireless modes like uh, a, a multiple of i think i think it's uh, I, I would need to check probably multiple of five or something um, 
I don't know. But at least you will see uh, uh, double the consumption at least. Um, the the other thing is you, uh, or for me the important spec is you know. I really don't care if a mouse has 60, 70, or 80 hours battery life. You know, this is not something you would probably do in one gaming session. Um, so as long as the mouse can probably last, let's say, 10 solid hours of gaming and charge rather quickly, I, I think that would be still OK. So yeah, to answer your question, um, I think battery cons conserving battery always is a trade-off. Um, Either it's tracking performance, it's uh, you know like you, you or you have constantly like sensor sleep state inside. So like if you don't move for one second and you start moving again, you will have some lag because the sensor needs to restart or wake up from deep sleep or from sleep in the sense. Um, and yeah, this is kind of like how you have to approach battery saving. Um, and for the sensors, they have some modes built in, uh, but uh, yeah, who cares if it's 70 or 80 hours, you know, and putting in a bigger battery is always a bit higher weight. So yeah, I think I think Razer has like, I think or the general Logitech has rather small batteries actually. So their sensors or better, their sensor or battery conservation is quite good. Um, if you take a Razer Viper Ultimate, um, the 3399 is probably not as power efficient. Um, and optical switches also take more power than normal switches because light barrier. So and they have an RGB LED inside. So probably the battery life you would expect if you put in the same battery Logitech has um, would be much lower. Actually, the, the, the worst part in wireless mice is RGB because that just takes a lot of power. Yeah, I mean, one thing that, you know, I never really like thought of before, but but uh, I think convenience is like super important for wireless mice. For example, if the Razer Viper Ultimate had like 10 hours, 20 hours of battery life, I wouldn't really care because, you know, you get that dock and it's super easy to just, you know, you put it in that dock every night when you, you know, go to bed and it's basically charged up in the morning. So yeah. I think in that sense, battery life really does not matter like pretty much at all. But, but now that I have this, I had this, I got the super light. I mean, it's pretty nice. I mean, I th I've had it. I don't know how long I've had it. I haven't really used it uh, like daily that much, but the battery savings features in the hero sensor seems to be pretty naughty. It do doesn't run out of battery like ever. Yeah, and of course it doesn't doesn't have any RGB, so that that really does. Yeah, help. RGB is really a big factor. I think also when I mean, like it's the same. Uh, like if you buy a car or if you would buy a car, like they have always these ratings. Like okay, this is it will take this much gas on a hundred kilometers or something. But how do they get to this number, right? And so for example, most companies even they have RGB in their wireless mice. The number they give is if RGB is disabled or at 20% or something, I, I don't know, uh, depends on the brand. And this is kind of pointless, you know, like if you run full RGB rainbow mode, it will just deplete your wireless battery rather quickly. And I mean, for Logitech, as I said, they, there's not really much there. They have one small LED that's mostly off, if, if I recall. Yeah. So yeah, that's good for, for sure, good for power consumption. And the power saving itself is also 
integrated uh, quite nicely, I would say. But it's also not a cheap product. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not a cheap product. But yeah. actually, what uh, I think there, there is actually a, a dock you could buy, a second-hand dock for this mouse, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's not a beauty, but it works. <laughs> yeah. I think for the yeah for the superlight is I wouldn't need it because yeah I, I charge it so rarely that I wouldn't need a char uh, like a charging dock. But one wireless mouse that I would I would it all, almost requires it would be the Aero Extreme Wireless if you want to use the RGB. <laughs> yeah, I mean Which that one? one was ridiculous. <laughs> Which mouse? The Steel, uh, Steel oh. Series Aero Extreme Wireless. Yeah, yeah. It has like a lot of RGB and yeah, quite extensive RGB. Yeah, I don't um, know, is the battery size like small? What do you know, Psogol? What is the yeah? Case I mean, now? it has a 250 um, mAh um, capacity battery, and basically um, default settings are the the sensor goes uh, into deep sleep like within I don't know 30 seconds. That's the first thing. When you move the mouse, RGB is completely turned off. Um, and when you don't move it for, I don't know, three minutes, um, it's also turned off, right? So basically, um, there is like a 90-second window or something like that where the RGB actually is enabled, right? When you have uh, default settings. And when you turn all of those um, power, savings, uh, power saving settings off, except for the built-in sensor uh, power saving stuff um the the battery was drained within i don't know 10 hours max right it, it really um it just went out during play like uh really spontaneously <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean 250 milliamps is probably also on the lower end of what we see in current mice um but i haven't really looked at the others battery uh, battery use that much. It really depends what sensor you use, which performance level you want to hit, and mostly how many RGB LEDs you want to run. And I would say we worry more about the performance than putting 20 RGB LEDs inside the mouse for yeah. a wireless product. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for, for marketing, it's convenient because they can claim um, full RGB, but they can also claim one billion hour battery life if you don't move the mouse at all. Yeah, no. I mean, there, there's always uh, there's always claims. I think Final Mouse made the claim like two or three months of battery life. I'm not yeah. sure how they got to this number, but <laughs> I highly doubt that's achievable somewhat because knowing the specs of the sensors that are out there and just calculating from, like, even if you probably use the shittiest mode, that is there, maybe they integrate in the software, I don't know. Um, that could probably reach it, the super shitty mode, but probably wouldn't use that for gaming. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't see a benefit in like a sev several months battery life claim. Um, I mean, I think they made other claims as well about the wireless performance. Let's see. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm always very... Yeah, specifically when it comes to wireless claims, a bit careful. I mean, 
probably they I'm not sure probably they use the Nordic chipset. Um from what I know, uh the Nordic wireless code cannot be edited. So I'm not sure how they want to improve on that. But I could be wrong, maybe it's a different chip. Yeah, uh, it's Nordic. It's Nordic, but it's the best Nordic ever <laughs> in the okay, history of yeah, Nordic. Probably, yeah, yeah. NRF fifty two eight four. Yeah, it's it's no matter what, it's just the best. Right? Yeah, so. it's a, it's a solid MCU, but to my knowledge, <laughs> I don't think you can alter the wireless part of the or the wireless. Like basically, it has like a small firmware part that runs the wireless kind of thing. And I don't think you can edit that. You can not change anything there. So I wonder how they want to approach it, making it better. But sure, I'll look at it. <laughs> yeah, a lot of their a lot of their their claims seems a, a little bit far fetched, and <laughs> I'm not saying they are lying, but some, something seems weird. Well, yeah. Um, if you made the sale, then. Probably you don't need to care that much anymore. So I mean, I don't know. I like. I mean, I like the the at least they do some new stuff with materials. But there are yeah. also reasons why not a lot of people work with metal in mice. I mean, tolerances there are pain in the ass. And um, I mean, it's similar like the Soundkönig guys. They're building uh, carbon fiber mice in a very small capacity because one of the major issues is actually producing it is super hard. And the same thing goes also for, um, you know, metals, because metals during the production process and during cooling, they have a bit more warp or everything. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see the product, but I'm not sure it can live up to the expectations, especially given the price point. Um, and also not sure about long term. Uh, yeah, long-term performance of the material. I mean, plastics uh, are the number one for a reason, or because they're just very durable. So, yeah, not a hundred percent sure, but I'll look yeah. at the product and see. When is it coming out? Actually, I forgot. Uh, next week, I think. Okay. Or, or a week after that. Did you win yeah, one in the uh, awesome game that yeah. still has a lot of fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the those um winners, yeah, those aim gods uh haven't received their mice uh either. So. Yeah, probably yeah, probably has the fastest wireless but not the fastest shipping, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, they I think they had some issues because I know quite many people actually who uh, won the won the mice from the you know they had this box opening kind of thing. So in the like first day, I know surprisingly many people who won won a mouse, and then suddenly they like shut it down. So I think they might have had a few issues with their software, like the web application that it gave out too many mice or something, because they suddenly just you know shut down the whole thing and then they reopened it, and suddenly nobody was getting a mouse. But yeah, I I don't think anybody has it. RJ, Rocket Jump Ninja has made like some tweets. I think he has tweeted a couple of pictures, so I guess his review will be out shortly or something. Yeah, I don't think um, they have that much volume. I think numbers will be quite limited. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think they probably made enough and they probably waited to have enough stock. Um, I, 
if I was them, probably they would they try to make it seem more limited than it actually is. Um, I mean, it's metal. They could probably just laser and engrave a serial number in it, and you could probably see which number it is. But yeah, I don't know. Probably still selling a couple of thousand. Otherwise, not. Won't, won't probably be worth it. But yeah, I'll, I'll be. In, I'm more interested in the technical side of things because some of the claims. Uh, as you said, in the too good to be true kind of department. Um, but yeah, I usually look at all most of the stuff in the market. Um, yeah, but some claims just don't hold up. That's always the drawback of, you know, saying we have the best of something. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Actually, that's quite interesting. So, do you like? Uh, do you like? How often do you buy like a competitor mouse that you are interested in? Well, of course, we have basically almost every mouse that's probably surfaced in the mouse review Discord in our office, in yeah. some way or the other. Um, I mean, we don't have all of them. Uh, it's it's sometimes it's to look, you know, uh, just at a what they use in electronics. Sometimes you can also get some information like. You can figure out where it's made even sometimes if you know how to do that. Um, and also, you can basically also check some of the claims they make. You can compare to your own mouse um, it, and, and see you know how, how it performs or how stuff works. I think that is OK, and it's a good thing to do that, because then you kind of know how you, where, you are, where you are at with your own quality and everything. Um, like. The other way would be, okay, you don't care what other people do. You don't look at anything. I highly doubt that this uh, no competitor of us has ever bought an XM1. Um, of course, they probably bought one as well and looked at it, what we did in, in a certain way in some places. So, yeah, I I think that's also very common. I mean, I think most companies that or most people that design mice, they have probably a lot of other mice uh, in their office. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, this happens in pretty much every industry. It doesn't matter what you what you manufacture is software, you know, hardware, whatever, cars, whatever, you know. Yeah. People will, of course, take a look at other other products from other companies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some are good, some are bad. I mean, I don't want to talk bad about any products here. I think where I feel always, um, what what I what I don't like is. If I see product and I feel like it's ridiculously overpriced for both the hardware and the quality that is delivered, um, but I would say in general, if you go with the major brands, price performance is actually quite okay. Maybe some not at MSRP, probably you know the brands I'm talking about, but usually after two, three weeks or four weeks in, these tend to get a bit cheaper. Yeah. All right, I guess we could go for the last question, and that's actually from from a company. So GameSense, GameSense tweeted me a question for for you. Uh, basically, it's a two part question, but let's see if we have time for okay. both. But uh, the first one is, what does X design process look like from start to finish? Um, well, of course, first you need to define which product you want to make. So um, let's say you decide you want to make a mouse and you want to make a claw grip mouse. Um, then you basically have to look uh, like, like, okay, 
in short, you have to make the shape at the same time decide on a tactical solution um, and then kind of build this technical solution into the shape. Uh, mechanical design is also a big part of it. Um, it follows usually after you finish the shape and when building a working sample. Um, I, I talked about the electronics before because when you go to working sample, you already need to kind of put in the PCBA and all the components that you want to work with. And yeah, mechanical is important because you everything needs to fit, everything needs to feel right. You don't shouldn't have big gap lines. You need to eliminate risks um, during production. Then yeah, um, I think it's a pretty standard process. I think that the thing that takes the longest is actually um, like from the final shape that you come up with, integrating this into a mechanical design, because due to mechanical constraints of either tooling or simply because the parts you want to put in are too big, not every shape is possible as you design it. Like for example, you couldn't make the front buttons, uh, couldn't put the front buttons too um, too low because uh, the switches are too high otherwise. You know, you, you can't be lower in the switches in the PCBA, in the bottom plate. So this kind of adds up already. Um, and yeah, this would kind of be design process. Of course, talking about the shape, um, we throw it around internally a bit and discuss a bit. Okay, this guy likes this, this guy likes that. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard to explain, you know. <laughs> It's not like, you know, it's a cookie cutter method where you say, I just do that and you'll be fine. Um, it's really a time consuming process. Of course, uh, I mean, we have several 3D printers where we print a lot of parts to test uh, everything. Yeah, this is kind of the process, how we come up with something. And for the electronics part or the performance part, sensor switches and everything, we are very much at the beat of the market of what is available. Um, we have, I would say, pretty much every switch that you can more or less buy in the office to test. And um, sensor-wise, we know what's coming. And yeah, that's pretty much all you need to know then. Uh, yeah, and then the second part of the question, uh, how long does that process take start to finish? Uh, it, dep it depends a bit, um, like if it's a completely new product, um, like you start from zero, I would say roughly a bit over a year, um, depending on how long you take for the shape. For a refresh, it's shorter, but it depends if you need to retool something like tooling takes about a new tooling takes like three to four months if you need to change something there and then you need to run through the if you do that you need to go through a pilot run where you make it basically you try to produce the, the mice and you see if there's any problem with mass production like for example there's huge variance between the units or um, you know something doesn't fit right i need to do something in the tooling and yeah there's there's, there's really a ton of um tests you need to do if you just do a refresh of a mouse. They need to recertify everything, um, FCC, etc. Also costly, costly stuff. And 
yeah, I would say if you for a refresh, probably a bit less than half a year for a new shape, I would say a year at the moment, probably a bit longer because lead times for components have gone up considerably. Um, yeah, really depends. And for OEM mouse, I can probably buy it and get have it here in a month. That's how long they take to produce. I mean, that's very, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that, that would be a simple business. Yeah, yeah. Like the GameSense Meta, uh, I can probably buy it. <laughs> if that was the Meta, I'm not sure I need to check. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, they have the meta and then they, then the, yeah, I think the, isn't, the meta is the kind of Zowie S2 and then they have another one that's going to be like, the, I think like the Microsoft wheel mouse optical. I don't know, uh, probably same vendor, uh, which I know, so yeah, we don't produce with them, but uh, basically um, they, the S2 one, they know it's a S2. Let's say like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we don't deal in these copy shapes uh, with endgame gear. I think it's it's a different business model. Um, I think if you want to build a brand long term, you have to some at some point come up with your own stuff, and it's actually not that easy, you know. Um, yeah. Like the, the let let's say you start with copy shapes. You do three, four, five good copies and oh, that's good copies, probably the wrong word, but uh, you do three, four, five copies and then you do your own shape and suddenly people say, ah, it's super shit. Uh, you know, like the, the expectancy of people, if you have a brand that has a standing in the market is much higher than if you have a brand that, you know, has never released a product. So for example, if Logitech came out with a new shape, like people would be very, very, uh, have very high expectancies of it. Yeah. It, but if it's not, and, but if, I don't know, um, let's say game sense in the sense, they come out with their completely own shape. Um, even if it's not perfect yet, people would say, yeah, cool, it's good for their first one or something. If like kind of this uh, new company bonus in a sense. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Has there been like a guy or a, like some somebody that uh, like where did you learn about mouse design um well i used to way way back i used to already collect mice uh, in a way i mean back then there wasn't that many choices during my counter-strike days i think back then it was logitech microsoft or razor that were like the main choices i would say um I used to work at Logitech in the US for some time. Uh, I, I got basically, <laughs> I got to work with them because I think they, hand, they handed out some mice at events with a business card and they said, okay, you know, uh, can we get some feedback uh, on this mouse, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure what others wrote, but I basically wrote them like a, probably was a one and a half or two pager, why the mouse is crap. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I didn't hear back for two weeks, so I was like, okay, great. Uh, and then, you know, I actually talked to them at, at some point. They actually did get back to me. And yeah, then I worked for them for some time. And at this time, I actually learned a lot about how the process works, like 
in terms of design. So it's not just like, yeah, you know, do this and it will come out perfectly. I think there I learned that some things that sound pretty good uh, in theory don't really translate to reality. And I mean, working there, I uh, had to do with mice 24 seven. And after that for steel series, um, I also did kind of uh, the same when we launched their mice. I think the, uh, like well, well, when I joined the Ikari was already done. That was a, uh, kind of a shape that was done by the vendor itself, um, but Steel Series got it exclusively. And then I did the Zai for them, which became the Sensei later and Kinsu, which is spin-off. I think Kana is kind of a spin-off of that as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've been in the mouse field for, I, I think a very long time. I had a huge collection way back. I lost part of it, sadly. I still have some super old uh, rare mice, I think like some original package in Telemouse Explorer 3.0s. Uh, yeah, probably should have better invested in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I really like mice. That's also why I mean, I, earlier I look at like a lot of the competitor mice. It's not like to open them and say, ah, yeah, that's what crappy and here and there. There's actually some stuff I like on, on what others did with their mice. And like, you, People say, ask me, is X and One the best mouse? You know, like I mean, for me, it's probably a very good mouse. Like best is always a you know um, hard term, but I, I think like for some people it might be, for some people it might not be. But anyone that claims you know something is the best is at least in the mouse market always a bit untruthful. And yeah. if you look at the professional gamers today, much more than way back, a lot of the decisions why they play with certain products is driven by sponsorship yeah and so basically like taking saying yeah but the top 10 gamers play with this mouse but they're all sponsored by this company it doesn't necessarily translate to that this mouse is better but it probably must be a good mouse at least so they still play with it yeah it was quite funny. I think I remember a couple of years ago when some companies sponsored uh, gaming teams, they would only use the keyboards, but not the mice <laughs> of some brands. Um, I think, but nowadays this changed a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think like it was like even earlier than that. I think like four, four or five years ago, there was like a big, big ruckus about it. I mean, I don't, I don't remember which mouse. Uh, yeah, ne the mouse wasn't really mentioned or the brand. But there was like a massive, massive rockers in the pros, pro, professional scene about this. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, back then, you know, if a team had like a peripheral sponsor, everybody was forced to use the mouse. But so, yeah, some people had issues with it. And then these also like player agents and stuff came in. And so we got over that for a while. So people could use mice they wanted. And that's uh, why a lot of people use Zowie. Zawi mice, I guess, because you know, uh, to my knowledge, Zawi never mm -hmm. sponsored any teams. But um, now it seems to be back to the fact that, yeah, so I, there are. I think you're right, and I think that they were there is sponsorships. But what they did was they were really in contact with a lot of professional gamers and seeded mice to them. This is something they did very good in the beginning. But nowadays, because all of them are sponsored, this is not really something you can do anymore. You know, yeah. like if you send the top five counter-strike teams uh, like 10 xm1 each they probably just 
eBay them. I mean, okay, yeah. that would be worst case, but they wouldn't be able, even if they like it, they wouldn't be able to play with it. And um, yeah. yeah, this is just the reality of it. Um, and to be fair, the sponsorship amounts sometimes are a bit above our budget. And <laughs> yeah, I've heard pretty insane numbers these yeah, days. Yeah. Like That's, truly insane numbers. Yeah, I, I think it makes for some companies it can still make sense if you have a huge portfolio um, where you can say, okay, they market not only my mouse, but my mouse pad, my keyboard, my speakers, my headset, you know, my webcam. I don't know what else, but this is kind of then it can make sense to shell out larger sums of money. But if, like us, you really only have mice and mouse pads at the moment, um, your return on invest would, is probably not as good. Yeah. No. 